episode 36. Yeah, yeah. Hello, welcome back to episode 36 of The Rap Chat uh, with Paul Webster and Paul Butler Lennox. You're very welcome back for those of you who listen to all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, this is a Film Network Ireland Rap Chat on the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Our homeboys on Pier Street, uh, who are an incredible uh, support to us. Uh, so, yes, today we have a writer, uh, director, filmmaker, development executive, uh, reader, all sorts of wonderful things. Uh, very much a life in uh, a, a young life in film. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Filmmaker in her own right, uh, Reenoch Negreer. Uh, Reenoch's been around for a long time, working and uh, just like the rest of us, kind of banging their heads against the wall to get the films made. Uh, really, really lovely person. We had a really lovely chat, uh, so uh, it's a really good one. So, as always, give it an old share if you like it after you have a listen. Um, in other FNI related news, we had. Um, we were down in the Kerry Film Festival. We also did a, we had a bit of a vlog made as well by a filmmaker with the name of Luis Diaz. You can check it out. It's on all the uh, social network platforms, uh, the Instagrams and the uh, the Twitters and the uh, Facebooks and all that. Uh, so give that a now listen, uh, uh, listen forward slash watch and all that crack. Um, so it's a good one. Um, if you'd like to support FNI, as always, go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. Um, so you can, spot, uh, you can support all our plate spinning and uh, exercises, our s- seminars and classes and stuff. And we're not subsidised, so we do appreciate the boost um, because, you know, we these things cost money from time to time at least we can do is buy people a coffee who come in and give their time to uh, F&I so uh, yeah any help is very much appreciated um, also uh, Morris O'Brien has a he was episode 23 um, if you go to the we're on Spotify obviously and the Headstuff uh, podcast network episode 23 and he's a documentary filmmaker he's a wonderful um uh, documentary coming coming up on RTE called The Abbey, A Riot of Their Own. Um, uh, it's um, it's really good because it gives uh, an insight into the uh, inner workings and mechanisms, and I suppose the revolution that's going on there with the um, with the uh, with the new management, I guess the two Scottish guys. So it's uh, it's quite exciting. Um, so check uh, check that out. Uh, what else is going on? Cork Film Festival's coming up, obviously, so, uh, you know, get yourself to Cork and watch some films. Um, and uh, what did we have? Yeah, on episode 35 last week, we had Vincent Lamb, uh, who made a short called Detainment, which is clearing up at film festivals, and it's going to be everywhere. So if you want to have a little listen in uh, to our previous podcast, episode 35, you'll hear all about... The, uh, how that kind of got made uh, how the uh, the idea came around uh, came up um, uh, you know it's very difficult short as I mentioned previously last week um, about the uh, Jamie Bulger case in Liverpool really well done um, uh, tonally and it's uh, if you have a chance to check that out do check that out um, so with uh, without any further Adieu. Uh, this is uh, Rianoch Negreer.
Reanuk. It's like Prince. It's like everyone <laughs> knows you one. as Reanuk. Yeah, I yeah. have discovered some other Reanuks. Oh, really? Yeah. And we've kind of formed like a little kind of Twitter club. Okay. You have Reanuk knock jokes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's how I say it to Americans. And like, you know, how do you, if you've already knocked and you have to knock again, re-knock. 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 Hey. Yeah. Aha. Very good. So Thanks very much for coming into the studio with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, Tell us about some of the work that you're doing at the moment. Um, well, I work as a writer-director. I directed a short film last year for uh, then-Irish film board called Neon. And now it's being developed into a feature with the support of Screen Ireland. Uh, I'm shooting another short film next month called Break Us with the support of Screen Ireland again. But I get my bread and butter via my development job, which is as development executive for Samson Films. Fantastic. Uh, so we'll go into all that in more detail. First, we always like to go back to let's the start. Take you, let's take you back. All the yeah. way back. Uh, were you a big film nerd when you were a kid? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was the weirdo that would go into like video stores in Dundalk and buy up loads of Scorsese and ask yeah. for the most random, weird, like, Czech films from the 60s. And, wow. yeah. you know, like, it kind of isolates you from the rest of the, the pack. But then every now and again, you meet another fantastic nerd and uh, you build each other's collections and get all these different kind of movies and make the trip to Dublin to go into HMV and Whoa. buy a big pile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nerdgasms all around. Brilliant. In the kind of art, art. When you moved to Dublin then, you had so much more choice, I guess, from DVD shops and all that. <laughs> uh, what was that the name was of the video <laughs> shop in Dundalk, by the way? Give them a shout out. Oh, Cassidy's, they're long gone now. Oh, yeah. Like all they of them. They were the best. All, yeah. yeah. Uh, and when did you realise that this is what I want to do as a career? Oh, very much early on. I think when you're, when you are that kind of special kind of weirdo who's 12 or 13, who won't stop talking the ear off their teacher about Fargo and the Coen brothers I think it's a pretty <laughs> clear trajectory from there yeah. Um, but yeah no very very early on I think there wasn't really I think like a lot of people they want to start um, they kind of envision themselves as an actor or they they just want to be in films or they want to be somehow embodied in that process but I think very quickly I want to be able to kind of write stories and be able to yeah to kind of find your own worlds and create your own worlds very, very from a very early age. And were you writing and making stuff <laughs> while you were still in school? Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, where did you go to college then? I went straight from school to IEDT, to mm. National Film School. and So you want to need a little portfolio? I did, yeah. yeah. I got, well done. got full mm. marks on my portfolio. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of thing did you have in it? So you would have made a couple of films for that, and yeah, you. It's a was for call. It, it was such a mix of a number of different things. Like it was, um, like I had three feature length screenplays. Right. I, mean, I would but quote marks. So yeah, yeah. imagine <laughs> me making quote marks screenplays. Wow. Um, I f- shot a short film with some of my friends, and I took a big pile of. Um, I suppose they were kind of like selfies. They were sort of inspired by Cindy Sherman. So it was oh. me in various costumes and sort of scenarios from 
potential films and just mm. packed it full of stuff that was like, I'm artistic, let me the fuck in. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you can curse them. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Don't censor yourself at all. <laughs> uh, and how was that as an experience for you, Dunleary? Um, I met a lot of people that I still work with today. Mm. Um, my class was a really great group of sound lads. Um, I was only four, of, four women initially in the class mm. to about like 22 guys Wow. Um, and then only three of three of the women graduated. Um, but they it was a really nice mix. We had um a fail safe films, um The Boys. The Boys. Ian and Simon. Yes, they were in my class. Okay. And um quite a quite a number of different professionals that they still work with as well, like Narian von Mail and uh, Esme McNamee and then in the class below, there was Helen Flanagan and, you know, there was a nice and the class above us had Sean Brannigan and yeah. Pierce McGrail and all these really fantastic people who are still working really solidly within the yeah. industry as well. So it's, it's a nice little kind of family. Yeah. Well, that was four years? Uh, four years. And then I stayed the extra year to do the master's in screenwriting. Um, yeah. I kind of left IEDT feeling like. I didn't specialise in anything. I knew I wanted to make movies. I knew I wanted to direct, but I didn't know what that next step was. So I just stayed behind and kind of formally took on screenwriting and just wanted to kind of interrogate it a little bit and learn a bit more about Greek mythology and the origins of story Mm. and kind of left with that skill. So that naturally kind of snowballed into development and script editing. So fancy now you're understanding of structure and all that stuff, yeah? And I hope so, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what was your first job kind of coming out of Dunleary then? Uh, well, I dust for a year, like right. everyone else does. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, entertained the notion of other careers like, oh, I think I'll be a dancer or I think I'll, right. think mm-hmm. I'll do some acting or I'll be a jazz singer. And then I got a job at Blinder Films. Uh, about a year later, I worked as their development assistant for two years mm. um, with the then head of developments, Michael Canirons and Yvonne Dunhoe. Okay. Um, and that was that was a really great first job to have yeah. in the film industry. Yeah. And they were busy, like they're making stuff all the time. So you were across that and then trying to find the next thing. Was there any like projects that stood out that you were involved in? Um. All, all of them. I think, do you know what I learned fairly quickly was how many fantastic, great projects there are that don't get made. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And how many projects are um, likely to be on a slate for in a production company, like a really great production company, like Blinder for years before they are at that point where they're, it's all going to snowball into production. Mm. Um, a Blinder had really great uh TV shows as well at the time, like Savage Eye and mm. Irish Pictorial Weekly. And um, and they just worked with a really great standard. I think their their criteria for what projects they wanted were really, really strong. And that sort of taught me how best to kind of approach projects and what were those components that you needed that were going to get financiers interested and what kind of state the script had to be in and yeah. what were kind of common notes that would come back to a script as mm. well. Yeah. And all that time, so you're kind of, you're looking at other people's stuff and are you kind of taking notes for yourself as well? Oh, all the time, yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, not in the sort of like, oh, that's a nice idea, I'm going to steal that. Yeah, Um, oh no. But like you, you kind of, you get a sense for when 
like if you're going to read about like on a busy day, I would probably read about four scripts a day, mm-hmm. um, even even now in my current job. But you you get a sense for when you're getting bored and mm. what are the kind of scripts that are going to grab your attention as you're reading. And so you, is there like a yes, a no and a maybe pile? Always. Yeah. Like it's 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 really complicated. Sometimes you want to work with a, a writer, but the idea isn't that great or mm, okay. the idea has been done before, but the writer has a really interesting voice or they might be a few years from being at a point where they're developed, where they're going to be able to um, they're going to be able to listen to notes as well. And mm. um, so there's it was, it was complicated. I think, you know, some ideas are very clear from the start and when you meet and you talk to, with the writer and you get a sense of, OK, this person knows what they're talking about. It's going to be very easy to to turn this into something really good. Mm-hmm. You know, then th- these are all kind of contributing factors. And it's it's definitely not as as easy as yes, no or maybe. But it's a whole pile of different things. But, you know, the, there were far more no's than there were yeses or maybe's. Well, of course, there has to be just logistically, yeah. Um, so that obviously sounds very formative. At, at that point, did you think, like, were you hell bent on developing your own stuff then, or was it through that process you realised, okay, I think I'm developing my own voice and I want to go for it now? Well, I think there was a lot of there was a lot of talk and a lot of you know I was very um, sort of concerned about if I'm going to be a development person, can I actually actively do writing and directing as well. If people see me as one thing, are they going to see me as something else? And I think to an extent that is true because development is such a, it's such a big commitment. Like I think you, it is such a full-time job. It's, it very much defines who you are and the energy you need to put into that job. But I think I kind of discovered that you, it, it all kind of stems from the same place. Is this love to make really good, unique mm-hmm. cinema. Yeah. And, you know, I think, my writing and directing career has been sort of slowly trickling along while I've been developing my development career. But um, I think the I think the instincts are kind of still the same and the instincts, you know, in yourself as someone who loves movies. Mm. What are you reacting to and what do you want to look for in those scripts? And what are those ideas and voices that really stand out to you? And the same kind of applies to my work as well is what is it about? The stories that I want to tell that mean something to me that might mean something to someone who might want to develop that or watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. We'll talk a bit more about kind of uh, coverage and reading scripts and that kind of thing. But um, I'd like to go back to Galway and you won the pitching award. Oh, yeah. What year was that? that? Did you forget it? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, if you could tell us about that project and kind of <laughs> what you can tell us or what tips you would give about that kind of verbal pitch, that kind of elevator pitch. Oh, yeah. No, well, it was it was back when the pitching award was a l- nice lengthy 10 was it, minutes. Was it 10 ah, minutes? Okay. Yeah. It was before they they brought it right down to the, yeah. the elevator pitch. Yeah. But so you were still standing in front of 50 or 60 people. On a Sunday morning yeah. at Galway yeah. and it's really terrifying. And three or four judges... Yeah. Yeah, and and being your whole idea being picked apart and scrutinized mm. and uh yeah, no, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um but it I think it was it was 2011 if I remember correctly. And it was with a project called Death Rattle and Death Rattle was Great name. Great title. 
I know, right? Like it, alone, it's, yes. it's done. <laughs> um, Death Rattle was my um, my Irish potato western. It before <gasps> and I coined the, the term potato western, <laughs> and this was being developed simultaneously when on Ranger was on or Black Forty Seven mm. was on Ranger. So it was it was not meant to be, but. Um, uh, death rattle was no reflection on your work, of course. You know that happens. Yeah. I mean, the bigger that happens, project that happens like, so often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we love it, but there's yeah, always this, something. This like came that. up. Yeah. Uh, this came up in a previous podcast with somebody who's working on something, which was very similar to something that got commissioned and made around the same time. So it's more common than you might. Yeah, and it's a small it country, you know. So that it's going more likely to happen mm. here than Exactly. Even it, it happens all the time. Almost every single project that's nearly gotten to the precipice of getting funding or mm-hmm. it's a there's always something else that just negates it because well there's there's no point making two of very similar thematic mm. films. Um but yeah it was I'm working on a soap and it's called Grand Town. <laughs> and it's set in like a small town. We'll come to that, Paul. Um, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, yeah. What do you think it was that won that for you? Was it your passion, and was it the the picture? What was? What did you get from? I think two things. Um, one was that I didn't talk about plot too much. Mm. I think when you have that space of ten minutes, um, what others tended to do was read off a sheet and then this happened and that but we don't know that's going to happen and then this and then what happens in the end is like this and you can feel everybody just kind of switch off Mm. um so i only had i think maybe like a fifth of the pitch was just an introduction to the premise of it like this Mm. this character with this and that's going to happen but you don't know what that's going to happen and um and then talked a bit about tone talked about other villains that referenced it that were big references and Talked about feasibility of how it could get made if it was going to be like a Canadian Irish co-production. I had right. no idea at the time what that meant, but it just yeah, sounded yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the second thing was that you have to look like you're enjoying it. If yeah. you mm. don't look like you're enjoying the plot of your own film, no one else is going to be <laughs> fucking enjoying it either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, <laughs> Like obviously you hit, you hit that stumbling block fairly soon, but was there you know were there other good things that came out of winning that say? Um, money. <laughs> yes, yes, a couple of grand. Um, I'd say no. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think and, and you know it kind of, but uh, it kind of flagged me as someone who wanted to write, direct, and develop mm. high concept genre material. Mm. Um, and that's sort of been the main focus throughout everything that I do is trying to create interesting takes on already established genre templates. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think that kind of opened up a lot of conversation about um, about that with the film board at the time and just people got a better sense of where my sensibilities kind of were coming from and, mm. and what wealth of reference of cinema I could work I could work from and... and that could then be applied to other f- other films as well. Mm-hmm. I think Screen, Ar- Screen Ireland are much more receptive to that now, particularly now, in yeah. the last kind of four or five years. So you must have been must have been difficult. They're catching up with you now. Like. <laughs> yeah, they're but, which yeah. is great. Let's talk about Neon. Mm. So, what is what was your pitch for Neon? Oh, um, for the short film, um, 
I think a lot of the stuff that I'm working on is kind of, they're kind of ideas or images that kind of been f like filtering in my brain for the last few years. But Neon is a, I kind of, it started as a, a, an image I had of someone running through the woods and putting up all these neon lights in this kind of poisoned woods. And then it just kind of snowballed into an idea about, um, about cyberpunk and how I love that particular genre and mm. uh, Japanese anime and Akira and those kind of wild, big, saturated colors in futuristic dystopic settings. And mm -hmm. that kind of snowballed into the little um, the the five minute short idea, which was just to do a really cool action short, which was um, just detailing that that kind of instinct of mm. like a pounding. Yeah. Um, a pounding dance soundtrack and lots of cool action scenes. And that's kind of what it became. It kind of became yeah. like this squished in idea of... Um, was it, like, from your perspective, was it very much a proof of concept for something bigger in yeah. your own mind's eye? Or was it, did you want it to stand alone on its own kind of two feet? Uh, at the time, I think I was torn more about making it a, a proof of concept because I think one of the downsides of the short is that it doesn't stand on its own. I think it's... I think you got. I, I had five minutes to get in, establish a world, what that uh, that future futuristic setting was. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose for clarity, I'll I'll, I'll tell a bit a bit about it as well. It's about um, in the future, the world has been poisoned, and um, the only way people can move between uh, designated clean zones is by electing people uh, to run out into the poison to carve out a route with neon lights uh, until they die and someone else picks up the baton and and, and continues the route from there. Mm. But the neon lights are how you know this area is poisoned so you can move freely within these poison districts of the earth. Um, so that was a big thing to start this five minute movie with mm. like, here's How what I the world is about thing? and yeah, here's yeah. the story. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, and then because it was quite kaleidoscopic in in how it was cut you know i think mm. we, we we really tried to make a really big fast moving kinetic story where there was a guy out there and he was going to make things difficult and mm. then they reached out to each other when she was nearly dead and then they have a fight and then it's over mm. so mm -hmm. it was a, a fairly nuanced story that mm. i think i i felt i was i i knew what it was but then when when it was sort of packed into this five minute movie it's over mm. before people are like i have to so say though had, like i've seen it on the ifb uh dvd and the, like the opening sequence the titles and the, the it's um, obviously it's a really interesting concept and it looks really fantastic but the, you, the, the opening sequence a lot like the motion graphics and everything else at the start it was just like whoa this really has me <laughs> this really has sucked me in um, now let's go for it and then yeah. it's like it's over before you yeah know. and, and that like, was the scheme like, that was the yeah kind of in a really good way you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah so that was uh, short stories scheme yes, yeah. so it's five I mean, it's so hard five to write a five minute minutes. yeah yeah <laughs> and were they pretty tight with the final time, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we got it to five and a half minutes, including okay. credits. Okay. Um, but yeah. yeah, ideally they were meant to be three to five minutes. And that was tough. Because, <laughs> right. mm, yeah. you know, you really wanted to kind of like develop that world a little bit and let people sit into it. And yeah. I, was, I mean, I, I took away a lot of lessons mm. more than anything. And, and, and there was a theme for that year as well, right? Oh, yeah. Tribes. Tribes, yeah. So yes. 
not only do you have to come up with a five-minute script, but it has to fit in with the theme of that year. I think so they were fairly tricky. loose with that, though, in the end. I think, like, yes, this, these people belong to a yeah. tribe of... Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're doing another short mm-hmm. under that scheme, right? Can you yes. talk about can, this? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can, yeah. Okay. Um, for shooting... We're in prep now at this point, and... Okay. I haven't made things easier for myself. Uh, I've got different challenges this time, but uh, it's again, it's a five minute story. Um, and kind of coming off the back of Neon and, and trying to create such a big, broad cyberpunk world in the future with like stunts and uh, fight scenes and stuff like that. Um, this shifts into a much more pared back love story and uh Post office robbery. Oh, cool. So it's, I would pitch it as an Irish millennial Bonnie and Clyde story. Oh, lovely. It's called Break Us and it details a, uh, a couple who break up mid robbery. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we've got five minutes, as you would, you, you kind of land. Right and is there. it the same kind of frenetic pace kind of? Uh, I think to a po- to a point. I think it it's got to be it's got to feel very very quick. Um, mm-hmm. But you um, you kind of start with them outside the post office and all their fears and doubts of what to do. But they have. How, how did you get Amanda Plummer and and Tim Roth? You know? <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> I love you, um, honey bunny. Have you cast? Yeah, have you cast? We're casting currently. We we um, it, it's taken a while to to find the right cast because mm. I think that's for this for this particular role um, of the girl. Um, it's very much her story, and mm. you know, uh, without saying too much about the film, it's a story that revolves around her arc of someone who is petrified, uh, anxiety driven. Uh, is being um, she's allowing herself to be led by her male partner into the situation that immediately goes wrong. Mm. And when he uh, breaks that trust between uh, between them both, everything changes for her and she discovers a strength that she never knew she had. Mm. So it's it's a really it's a really particular role. And I think to find the right person for that uh, has been a really long journey. To, who can be that kind of fragile, be that kind of anxiety, um, who can show that anxiety on the surface and can still dig down to kind of to tap into that stoicism and that strength yeah. in, in the space of a few seconds. Do you enjoy the casting side or do you get very nervous? Um, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love talking the ear off actors about <laughs> what things mean because actors love to talk about it too. Yeah, <laughs> as we found out before this podcast as well, actors, <laughs> actors love to chat. Yeah, they? yeah. <laughs> That's why uh, you're a bit. Late. We were late coming out, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, and then that's amazing. So you've got that, and then you're turning, you're developing neon into a feature. <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> <laughs> Just having stress attacks. Um, it's, it's finding the time for it. <laughs> right. Well, we we got a we got um, we were really lucky to get a first phase funding from Screen Ireland last year. Mm which we used to turn into a really detailed treatment. Mm. Um, it got some really good interest at the Galway market. And now we're sort of collecting a lot of feedback and launching headfirst into <laughs> the first draft uh, with second stage funding from the right. film board. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it feels a bit like uh, um, 
it, it's it's finding time. <laughs> it's getting yeah, yeah, yeah. there. We'll yeah, get there. Yeah. And how do you do that when you have a job and you've got these other projects? It's late nights, coffee. You don't go crying out. in the toilets, yeah, yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. You have no life. <laughs> Lots of crying in the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> if I can train my cats to to uh, to help me write, that would be fantastic. And in terms of a team for that, have you got a producer? on at this stage? Yes. Um, I'm working with Laura McNicholas of 9 to 5 Productions. Um, and uh, I work with my script editor, Owen O'Failon, as well. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, tell us about your development work and how you ended up getting into that. Um, well, like I said earlier, coming from the Masters with a sort of a advanced knowledge of script and story, Mm-hmm. That kind of naturally led into working as a script editor and getting a development assistant job in Blinder. And I think working there taught me a lot of basics about how producers talk about projects, um, what kind of projects get noticed more than others, um, what kind of projects do well in the cinema and um, and how to and how to work with writers and how to work with different writers and how to work with teams and how to collate everybody's vision in the same to go forward in the same direction i think different from script editing where you can apply a set of skills to help someone solve a problem development is a lot about managing people's expectations in a project Mm -hmm. and filtering feedback and making sure everybody is on the same page and that's really hard to do (laughs) um so when i uh, when I came back from, I went to London temporarily post Fair City, came back and got a job in Samson Films in 2015 yeah. um, as their head of development and have been working there ever since. Cool. Um, is there any kind of tips for writers or like, you know, mistakes that you kind of see <laughs> coming up again or what is like, do you just want to shake writers mistakes. sometimes? <laughs> um or what can they do to make you know make it easier to say yes you know I think like there are so many good writers who can who can express um, their knowledge of cinema and their awareness of plot really well in a really strong first draft I would say what development producers are looking for or at least a lot of um, I mean, it depends on the production company, but I'd say a lot of producers would be looking for that interesting idea and of something that hasn't been expressed before or a new take on a genre. And even if the first draft is woeful, if you know and can express what that unique idea is and why this is something uh, worth exploring and worth developing then I think that goes a million miles and I, I know that sounds very vague it's like think of the idea but it's it's about thinking about what the film means and about what makes your um, heist thriller different than another heist thriller and, and what's going to make that stand out and I think that comes from um, trying to figure out what you have to offer to it and, and what unique components you mm. have that are going to elevate that a little bit. Yeah. I know it sounds so fake. No, 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 <laughs> no, but you're investing in the individual, not just the idea. Exactly, right. yeah. And you want to know that you're able to work with that individual as well and that mm. that individual has 
a authoritative and confident sense about their own work, about um, who they are and what kind of stuff that they write. Mm. Um, like mm. I can say that I would write about um, anxiety prone <laughs> women in genre situations. Right. Um, and I like to write about the, the merits of female anger in context of an action film or something. I think mm. that's yeah. something I've <laughs> discovered is a common trend. Yeah. So strong voice, but willing to collaborate. Yeah, definitely. And that must be rare, is it? Someone who, <laughs> who trusts themselves, so, especially in, you know, tiny little country well, where this is it. Yeah, it's 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 hard to it's hard for people to feel confident here, mm-hmm. especially when money is not that um, free and easy to to mm. to come by, especially as a writer. I think there is a big gap between being a really strong voice and really um, wanting to make these really great films and learning all, learning to overcome all the pitfalls of rejection and <sighs> what what is it about my ideas that aren't landing and mm-hmm. why aren't I getting to that point where people are really taking notice about the stuff that I have? And like, that's such a hard journey. And because it's, it takes a really long time to build up that level of awareness and self-awareness about what is it that I'm not accessing in myself? And what what is it that I'm not being honest with, with my own writing? And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's really scary because it's, it's, you have to be incredibly vulnerable. And even if you are writing a, a heist thriller, you know, you have to enable yourself to feel vulnerable to to get to mm. that uniqueness and that sincerity in your writing. Yeah, as we heard, the, I suppose the concern, and I would imagine every writer's concern is that when you give it over wholesale mm-hmm. to a company, that they shape it and mould it into something else that they that you yeah. don't want it to be. That is a huge fear. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And and you know, the part of my job is to recognise what that writer wants to do with that project. And like I can read a coming of age story about, you know, and about a girl going through going through school and Mm -hmm. um, and a love story. And I could read I could read into it that it might be about this girl's sexual coming of age. I was like, that's really interesting. That's not been done before. And if I meet up with a writer and we get that conversation going and they really into that idea, then we know what shape the movie is going to kind of look like. So mm-hmm. it's it's about kind of when I'm talking about being confident in the idea that you have when you present it, it's having that confident idea inspire the creative team and the, the mm-hmm. right producer and the right production company to back that all the way as well mm-hmm. so that you don't have a million people producers and development execs and directors who go like oh no this is the type of movie it should be and before you know it you're writing five different films Mm. i suppose you have to become comfortable with the fact that your idea may become two or three strands of the same idea potentially and you have to be willing to fold or bend that in that direction i think there's definitely it's i think a lot of um writers have that fear I would... Well, everybody thinks they're Kubrick, you know, so you have to kind of snap <laughs> them out of that bus and go, you know, actually not. Well, I think it's it's a good thing to be confident in the in the idea. It's good. It's also important to collaborate and to be clear and articulate in, in why you want to collaborate and why you want to communicate an idea. And if mm-hmm. if you can't verbalise that and you can't get other people excited by that, then then that's a problem. And I think a lot of it, a lot of those issues come down to a, a lack of communication or... A fear or Writers not being able to communicate. That's <laughs> very unusual. I mean, I think in, it, there's a number of, there can be a number of different issues. And I think mm-hmm. I'd recognise the development process as being able to unpick those personalities and figure out, 
okay, well, this writer isn't great at being able to articulate their ideas, so I'm going to be their mouthpiece. Or mm-hmm. um, that producer is clearly trying to make that writer feel like it's, uh, or that you know, there be there might be someone who will. Uh, try to enforce their ideas and trying to pull mm. the writer in a different direction. So it's your it's your job to manage the expectations of that producer or that financier and be a mediator and try and yes. get the best outcome. Yes. Mm. And I think if you're not all moving in unison in the one direction, you will definitely have a problem and the film definitely won't get made. Right. Um, we touched on this earlier on outside when we were talking uh, the things that you uh, were looking that you would love to see more of in Irish films <laughs> what would that be? Oh god my face is going <laughs> um, yeah one of the things that I keep talking people's ear off about is I don't oh, I don't feel like we're great at talking about uh, our sexuality um, in development rooms and we certainly don't see it in the bold cinematic way that our European counterparts mm. do on, on our screens. And I think obviously a lot of, of that has to do with our fantastic history of Catholic yeah. shame and yeah. repression and our own kind of, you know, I think we have a very, we we don't give ourselves the benefit of the doubt by realising that we, well, we, we are very repressed compared to a lot of nations. And, you know, you notice it in social situations where it's very hard to talk openly about sexuality, mm-hmm. about um, about how we feel about each other. And, you know, that kind of those feelings of of intimacy and how yeah. they um, and how they affect our personalities and our and our individual characters. Um, it's something by comparison to other countries we're not very good at. No, so, not, so not many scripts of that nature. Oh no, no, because <laughs> no, when um, you mention it, I, like because I think about it all the time. Like every time I go st- see a French film, like why can't we do exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> and you go to Cannes, you go to um, Berlin, and you mm-hmm. have all these fantastic, great um, dramas and thrillers that mm-hmm. really interrogate the pathology of sexuality on yeah. screen and. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's it's got anything to do with um, with LGBTQ cinema or anything. It's more about um, it's a it's a in in rooms that I've exper- experienced and development rooms that I've experienced um, where within the development of a horror movie per se, you might want to talk about the psychology of a character and um, and ex- try to explore what elements of their sexuality are being portrayed on screen because it might have mm-hmm. something to do with the overall theme of the, f- of the film and I find there's a huge defensiveness and a resistance to want to even go there in yeah. conversation and it, we're so timid about it and as a result like that we just don't have movies like um, Call Me By Your Name is a really good example of that exactly, it's a love yeah. story it happens it, look it's not queer cinema you know it's mm-hmm. just a, a, one of my favourite films of last year because it's just a story of a summer romance you know, and mm. it's not it's not a certain thing. Mm. It's just a really, really simple, well told story with mm. great characters. Yeah, and uh, their sexuality has very little to do with it. But that's the how that sexuality is portrayed on screen is a huge part of what makes that film uh, that sensual experience and mm. and getting inside those characters' minds. And in in comparison to. Almodovar movies where mm. the sexuality is fun and weird and yeah, yeah. odd and like all over the shop and you know and I, there was a fantastic 
um, Norwegian coming of age movie about a girl who couldn't stop masturbating in school called Turn Me On, <gasps> The red flags were going off in my I head know. there. It's like, Catholic, Catholic Church, <laughs> Catholic Church. You never see something like that here. And yeah. it's hilarious. It's about yeah. how how flawed and weird and complex and and um, and and strained sexuality is and showing yeah. that spectrum. We just, we're so timid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just would love, like right now, post Me Too, post Repeal, mm. Um, I, you'd love to see that kind of movie, it's particularly about female sexuality, that unapologetic mm. female messy sexuality. Yeah. So what screen. advice would you have, uh, say, to budding screenwriters, uh, particularly female, who are listening to this, in terms of tapping into that type of idea, mm-hmm. work, pitch? I think what we're missing is that um, perspective from female experiences um i think we don't have any we don't we're we're getting there and we certainly there are some really great movies in development and coming out um uh currently that do detail and do show um an irish female experience that we've never seen before but i i think it's think about what makes you unique and what makes your experience unique and the pains that you've gone through in your life the um the experiences you've had, whether they're good or bad, um, they're all relevant and, you know, we don't see them. And part the the nature of cinema is to create empathy with mm. an experience that you've never had to go through. And I think a lot of that is is coming up now in the last few years with that with the rise of Me Too and with that awareness of feminism is because we just don't have those full experiences represented on screen. And I think mm-hmm. it's. It's finding out what experience is true to you and um, and having that self-awareness as well and being able to be vulnerable about that and not being scared to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people want to listen to it and people want more uh, more and more authentic stories about that. Mm-hmm. Um, something we talk a lot about is kind of resilience and resilience uh, that you need because it's such a mm-hmm. such a tough industry. Uh, and we're all still trying to figure out, is there any tips that you would have or any any kind of things that you've realised over <laughs> the years? Cry in the toilet. Cry we've in been, the we've toilet. Been, we've been this. <laughs> Buy a cat. <laughs> um, How I, many cats? Cry, you cry in your cat's but toilet. You know, <laughs> you know, I had a really... <laughs> I probably will too. <laughs> um, like I had a conversation with a friend of mine because uh, recently, um, you know, I find... People who work in film, especially writers and and uh, people who aren't making a lot of money, and you know, you're kind of waiting for this all to kind of like come on, pay off. Give, yeah, yeah. Like, give me money. I worked hard. Give me credit. I worked bloody fucking hard. Like, like give me something. Um, it's tough, and you know, yeah. I think like, I was chatting to my friend about it, and I remember expressing this feeling of like. You ever feel like you're just kind of on the outside of everyone else? Like you're, you feel like you've, you know, all these other people have circles of friends and you're just kind of like this, this weirdo that just like can't quite fit in one thing. This lone wolf who no one understands and kind of thing. It's different. It's kind of like your, your whole life is kind of defined by work and by the films you watch and what, you know, and and Mm. you, and that they inform your own personal relationships with people of how you connect to other people is through Mm -hmm. film and through music. And, um, you know, and I think 
in chatting to my friend about this, it's like, yeah, no, that's how we're always going to feel. And, and rather than feel like it's something really bad, it's like you can't fit in, no. it's it's this fantastic thing. You're a fantastic weirdo. And, you know, and to, to always remember to be that fantastic weirdo, no matter how, no yeah, matter yeah. how many yeah. times people think you're fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Everybody feels as if they're not connected, you know, to that opportunity or mm-hmm. they're on the uh, on the fringe of that everything and major FOMO for you know not having that kind of mm. big wide circle of friends that are, are going to engulf them in but mm. I think that's part of the nature of creativity you're always going to feel yeah. completely alone and like it's going nowhere mm. but you know you kind of wouldn't do anything else exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just about trying to find a healthy balance I read Sean Brannigan on recently in that kind of thing of not getting too wrapped yeah, up yeah. in this identity yeah, yeah. of the black yeah. hole oh, that's of, it really, of yeah. self-importance yeah. and, and look, minding yourself, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's a huge thing. And, it, and I, yeah, I think the, the anxiety, of, especially for freelancers, is, is mm. crazy. Not really knowing for sure if that next job is coming down the mm. line and not being able to have a mortgage and... Yeah. Uh, income tax coming up in October. <laughs> Stop. But the, I think having on that with the the nature of self importance, like I think you still have to have that awareness of of self that you you know that what you have to say is important yeah. and that. But it it is that balance because we all have very fragile egos in this business because we want to have our egos massaged and we want to be, you mm. know, fantastic people walking down can red carpets. Of course we do. But um, it is that balance of keeping that uh, that eye on your mind and keeping that idea of yourself there, but still minding yourself. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Crying <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, is there any advice you wish you were given when you started making oh, films. That question. Back in the video oh, no. shop and draw in and Dundalk. Do, do you wish someone approached you and went, oh, hey, um, 20 years from now? I don't know, because it's kind of, I think I am, um, it's hard to say. <laughs> it is uh, a tough one. We, yeah, trust people. Would you say maybe you should cry more in the bathroom? Mm. Oh yeah, to I, yourself. You know, what? that's probably that. I, or just not take things so seriously and just would, go with the I would, flow. I, don't I know. would say that. I would say if you if you feel like crying in the bathroom, go and cry in the bathroom. You're not going to be, you know, if you if you you'll come straight back and do work. You know, if you yeah. um, if you if if you I, I think. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure put on a lot of young people to feel like they need to to um, behave professionally mm. and to be in this kind of corporate mentality and Irish managerial mm-hmm. um, environment where there's a protocol and there's a list of things to do and there's, you know, there's all of the stress about what professional etiquette is mm. and, you know, it kind of, t- to the... And it, it sometimes can negate actual real communication mm-hmm. and work in a medium where it is all very surface and vulnerable and any anybody creative in this business is is going to be very vulnerable at a, a lot of times. And I think not putting, not applying that pressure to behave professionally and to behave under that um uh, it would have been advice I would have liked to have had because so, I spent so many so many years trying to just fit in with 
pleasing people and just no, not making don't be a people happy. pleaser like people invest in other people exactly yeah you know um, uh, and then eventually money which is what you <laughs> but you know it, it's very much a case of that like when everybody has a perception of what they think other people are mm-hmm. um, and this is something that's come up with other people as well you know what people think of you is none of your business yeah yeah it's you know you just get on paddle as a friend of mine says paddle your own canoe <laughs> uh, yeah, just get on with it, you know, and try and be the best version you can be of yourself. Um, um, cool. I think it's a nice place to leave it. Uh, best of luck with all the projects. <laughs> Thanks. Let us know uh, when things are available to see. And we'll, yeah, best of luck. Thanks a million, guys. Awesome. Cheers. Thank you.